should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Miao. Welcome. Happy Hump Day. I'm Michelle Miao, your host, and uh, it is Hump Day. I like Hump Day. <laughs> trying to get over this week. It's the last week of March. I can't believe it. I feel like, um, yeah, a third of the year is, has already passed. Can you believe it? And so that means this Friday is April Fool's Day. Um, and so if you've got jokes and you've got things planned, uh, Friday's appropriate for that. <laughs> People head into the weekend, they might be in a more relaxed mood. Uh, our producer, Kenny, who is actually my nephew, he's in studio, and I think he's doing well. He's he's kind of trekking along there with the help of our original producer, our master producer, Dennis Cruz, who's just jotting down a bunch of stuff um, and uh, hanging out and making sure Kenny's in line. Uh, is your mic even up? All right. All right. What's happening? What's happening? Thank you. I always like to banter back and forth. I mean, I, if you could if you could offer Kenny some on-air um, you know, suggestions on He told how me he to... doesn't like to talk and he uh, his opinions he likes to keep to himself. He's a uh, right, brother? Look, you heard it. I don't know what to tell you, Michelle. He's like, you know, if you want to give him a half hour, he'll do he'll do half hour on uh, Chicago Bulls basketball, but Hey, Chicago Bulls basketball. Well, I, I guess I don't know how are they how are they doing in, uh, in comparison. You're not to talking the to me, right? Warriors. I have no idea. I don't know. I could care. I give this much of a squat about Great. Chicago Bulls basketball. Great. Well, then we should just move on to much more <laughs> exciting stuff like hey, thanks the a actual lot, Kenny. program. Let's just move on now. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> we all live in three different worlds here, uh, <laughs> apparently, at the Michelle Miao Show. The Michelle Miao Show is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. So many of us exist in this world and uh, are probably heroes, and sometimes we know it and sometimes we don't. But our guest today, I shall say that he is now one of the many heroes that I know of in my life just for doing something as simple as sneezing, but sneezing with the purpose and for as long as he possibly could. I guess for three minutes he held it out. Uh, let's welcome Senator Jim DeBacchus to the program. Jim, thanks so much for joining us. Michelle, what a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much for the invitation. Um, so you're like my new hero now, uh, I guess. You know, you're, you'd be like the Superman against the evil, extremely homophobic Republican representative, LeVar Christensen, who at like three minutes left of your meeting tried to sneak in an anti-gay uh, bill. Tell us about this, uh, you know, this bill out in Utah. The Utah legislature meets 45 days a year, and by 
Constitution, by the Constitution, it has to stop exactly at midnight. There's not like turning a clock back or no other tricks. So the we had passed a Senate bill, which is rather mundane, having to do with some kind of uh, procedures for loans or blah, 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 blah. And it passed the Senate unanimously, went over to the House where LeVar Christensen, who's kind of like uh, the Jerry Falwell uh, for your older people, uh, uh, the, the evangelical kind of spewer of, of all things anti-gay, had gotten into his committee this mundane bill. And while the Democrats were all out, he changed the words married person or married couple to husband and wife. So it was the last day of the session. We were there. It was about seven or eight minutes before midnight. And there were about 12 bills that were up and that, and they could have picked any of them. Some of them much more important than this. But for the last bill, they pulled out this rather routine bill, which I had already read and which was no big deal, and I was all set to vote for it. And I just happened to scroll down it and saw crossed out the word married couple replaced by the word husband and wife. Oh, my God. So now it was three minutes, and we vote in the Utah Senate by a roll call. So by now, I wasn't exactly sure what had happened. I looked at the committee, though, and saw it was LeVar Christensen, Representative Christensen, and noticed that there was three minutes until midnight. <laughs> and so as the roll call started, it started Adams, Bramble, then I'm DeBacchus. So it got to me third or fourth. And the, the woman who was doing the roll call said, Debacchus, and I just shut up. And nobody was expecting this because everybody else was more or less, it, it hadn't been controversial or anything. And then as I read, I read through the document, I was sure what had happened. And now there was only two minutes left in the session. And I gazed up into the gallery, and the woman doing the roll said, Debacchus. <laughs> and I just ignored her and looked down pressed my shoe a little bit. She said, Debacchus, and then I started to cough. And the president of the Senate, who's sitting right above her, uh, yelled over, pass him, pass him, pass him, pass him. <laughs> and she wasn't sure what was happening. She said, Debacchus again, and I just ignored the whole proceeding as if I was laying on the beach, and they eventually bypassed me, but it was about six seconds after midnight by the time they got to the last voice, and a very perturbed president of the Utah Senate said, it fails for lack of time, and that ended the session, and it ended that ugly LeVar Christensen bill. <laughs> wow, that is so incredible. So this mini filibuster of yours, um, you know, what's, uh, did you get a response from your fellow uh, colleagues after the fact? I mean, did they, <laughs> what happened next? Well, um, nobody knew what had happened because it, it, they, the change had been made in the House. So when it came back over to the Senate, everybody just assumed that it was the same mundane, nobody really cared about the bill. Mm -hmm. So everyone was a bit 
they thought maybe I had, didn't have a cold or, or, or something had happened, and it wasn't until uh, they read about the story the next day in the newspaper that they realized that the, the bill had been killed because it, it, it was just miserably, awfully targeted anti-gay without, without any semblance of covering it up or pretending it was anything other than that. It was just mean-spirited and an, just an ugly attack on gay people because they thought they could. Right, right. And, and this is so small. And, but at the same time, I should point out, this is coming from the state that uh, allegedly, I mean, you know, that a, a lot of people had applauded for passing um, a religious freedom bill that, you know, both groups were able to compromise on. Uh, right. That's still in effect. Yeah, last year we had a a uh, we had a very good moment where we were able to uh, combine the the Mormon Church together w- with uh, just the most agonizing month and a half I have ever spent with HRC and with the um, the lesbian um, uh, I forget uh, their terrific um, legal group, and we just and the ACLU, and we went over this word by word by word by word, and eventually we came up with what what was a pretty good compromise. I mean, mm-hmm. we have non non discrimination in employment and in housing, and it and it covers uh, trans people, it covers uh, everybody. It was it was a big step, and uh, this year. They didn't go back on anything, but uh, we didn't get some of the the steps forward that we had hoped to get. Well, but you still have uh, politicians, obviously, legislators who will, it seems like, will do whatever they can to limit LGBT rights wherever they can. And then I should also mention, you know, this is also the state in which even after a bill like that, a compromising bill like that had passed, I mean, the Mormon Church, who was involved in that process, by the way, um, certain leaders of the Mormon Church had come out to to, to pass an extremely anti-gay um, policy within their church. Uh, that we have talked about extensively here on the program. But I kind of wanted to check in with you, you know, in terms of like the environment in Utah now, post-marriage equality, and then, you know, be you seeing this uh, tiny little possible slip. Um, it, it, it feels to me as if there are just certain people who won't let this go. You know, I think we're seeing it in North Carolina, and I think we're seeing it in Georgia. It's, it reminds me of the last gasp of, uh, of an aging, kind of miserable, awful um, thing that's out in the ocean that has caused a lot of havoc and turmoil, and they just won't give up. And um, But I, I think... Clearly, the side of history is on our side. I've been very, very disappointed with the LDS Church that made so much progress last year, um, but this year, not legally, but within their own uh, organization, they just had a giant step backwards, and we're seeing uh, young LDS suicides. Uh, I'm, I'm aware of five of them. Can you oh. imagine just oh. since the, since the, um, the head of the quorum of the 12 apostles gave really a very mean-spirited uh, anti-gay kind of diatribe. So it, it's, it's back and forth. 
and um, there's a lot of division, I suppose, within the community, but also in the hierarchy of the church, as there is in a lot of places in the country. But I'm an optimist. I think we're going to be just fine, and people in a few years will wonder what was all of this about, even in Utah. Yeah, you think so? I mean, I mean, <laughs> it seems like these states um keep trying and trying and trying. You you brought up North Carolina, uh, we had heard of today, which is you know I consider a victory. Georgia in uh, Nathan Deal vetoing that anti-gay bill, um, but at the same time, if you look at in Indiana, in which they the governor there, you know, Mike uh, Mike Pence had vetoed a similar bill, but then this year tried to pass a, a I guess a lighter version of the bill. Um, you don't think that they'll just continue trying? I do, but, you know, there, there's a lot of true heroes. I mean, when you look at what happened in, uh, in Georgia, it, it really was our straight allies. It, it, it wasn't even the morality of it. It was the good, hard, old-fashioned dollars, and when Disney and the studios and Apple and the the it it is the universal language that all these evangelical christians seem to speak above and beyond uh christianity and their love of the bible it, when it comes down to dollars and cents that's what happened in indiana i suspect that's what happened in georgia mm-hmm. when people say you know what sweetheart we're not playing this game we're not dancing with you there's 49 other states and there's probably 25 of them that that aren't bigoted, so we don't need you. And I suspect that it wasn't any great change in morality that caused things to change in Georgia, but it was raw dollars and cents. And it's 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 kind of cool to see American business uh, just stand up and say, you know what, we're not putting up with bigotry. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's a language they understand. Yeah, we have a love-hate relationship for sure with Silicon Valley here in the Bay Area. Uh, you know, we love Facebook and Apple and Salesforce when they stand up for our rights that way. But then uh, as, you know, liberal progressives, we also then <laughs> criticize them for their corporate practices. But that's another story. No, no, I agree with you. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the same burn there. Yeah. <laughs> I get it entirely. James, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to conclude our conversation and talk about some of the stuff that you're working on. So stay with us, okay? Great. Senator James DeBacchus, everyone from Utah, and uh, his incredible moment in a mini filibuster. We're going to continue our conversation right after our break. The Michelle Miao Show continues right after this. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. 
It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Sines, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.alegrecare.com. Allegra Home Care serving your community. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me on this hump day. I'm Michelle Meow, your host. Our special guest on the phone is Senator James DeBacchus from Utah, who uh, is a hero simply by sneezing and sneezing and coughing and uh, ignoring um, <laughs> a potential anti-gay bill that, that had been slipped at the very last minute. Uh, and, and that bill was, you know, an, an, an anti-gay bill that... Anyway, I can't even talk about like just how stupid it sounds, but uh, a simple change in in definitions, right? Married couple changed to just husband and wife uh, was what a representative was trying to do. So, um, James, I, I hope that you don't have to sneeze for three minutes or six minutes or something in the future anymore. But you seem optimistic, which I love. I'm optimistic. I think that uh, the heyday is past. I think the the scourge of Donald Trump and Ted Cruz and what they mean for America, Utah, Utah, Utah is likely to vote for the Democrat in uh, November for the first time since Lyndon Baines Johnson. I mean, mm -hmm. that is the level of contempt that even the conservative um, right-wingers in Utah have toward um, Mr. Trump. So I'm, I'm kind of praying for uh, the triumph of Trump, at least in getting the Republican nomination, mm -hmm. because it, it may well mean a sea change, not just uh, for the presidency, but in our Utah legislature and uh, ar around the state. I mean, I, I think those ugly, miserable um, extremists that the Republicans have profited for so long, them getting control of the party is really good news mm -hmm. for a lot of reasonable, not to mention progressive people around uh, even even very red states like Utah. Let's talk about that because Bernie Sanders won Utah. Um, and, uh, you know, when you look at the Democratic presidential candidates, I, I would say that I was one of those people that thought Hillary Clinton uh, would be the, um, uh, the, I guess, the Democratic pick. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, you can't imagine what happened here on caucus night. I mean, we had by far the biggest caucuses uh, ever. People waited in line three, three and a half hours. Progressive people that we didn't know existed in, in, in Utah. 
it was astonishing and 78% of the people it wasn't it, it, clearly it wasn't close mm-hmm. i mean i think people particularly working people even in our very very conservative state are beginning to understand that the same old establishment is not going to solve the problems of income inequality and of the basic bread and butter issues of getting a decent job and being able to afford an education and not be straddled with debt forever. People are getting it. Mm-hmm. People are getting it. And I, again, I am kind of optimistic by nature, but I, I'm, I can't wait for November. What are some issues that are close to home, you know, for you as a uh, person in legis in, in legislation that you'd like to talk about as far as like Utah's concerned? I mean, I think you mentioned uh, you know some of that, which is access to some of the basics such as housing, employment. Um, I'm just trying to figure out if they're similar to say a state like California. Two big things I think uh, I hope and I would uh, I would plead our good friends not only in California but around the country to help. Um, one has to do with something probably obscure to the rest of the country, but it's called Bears Ears, and it is uh, over a million acres of land in southern Utah that just defy description as far as beauty is concerned. It is just unimaginably beautiful. If you've been to Zions or Bryce or to any of our national parks, imagine that on steroids, but something with a twist. It has more than 100,000 archaeological sites, many of them prime, never been touched. Like You go around a corner on horseback and you see Native American ruins that you swear somebody is cooking breakfast in. They're so beautiful. Mm -hmm. The state of Utah is getting ready. They're getting drilling rigs. They're getting the oil uh, companies are buying it. They are doing the most heinous uh, potash drilling. They are destroying this land. President Obama can sign an act uh, called the Antiquities Act and preserve Bears Ears forever and ever where the development will seriously be limited. He did it for an area called the Grand Escalante Staircase. It has protected it. And the president is kind of waffling because he doesn't want another Bundy thing or he's worried about how the, how the conservatives will perceive this or that. This land so much is, is desperate for protection. It bears ears. And uh, it's something that future generations of all Americans need protecting. So that's right, very, very close to the top of my list to persuade our own president to pull out that pen and at the stroke of a pen, protect this unbelievable heritage. So there you got it. What about what about LGBT rights and um, the preservation of, of, I guess, equal rights movement? I mean, there's still so much to work on. And, and it, the interesting thing is that these issues that we need to work on as far as the LGBTQ community goes intersects with so many other, um, uh, you know, uh, other points of our lives. Civil rights in general, the the immigration, and making sure that all of our people of various um, diversity get treated the same. I mean, it's all right there. And I'm afraid for our LGBT community that marriage uh, 
may have uh, dimmed some of the enthusiasm we have for keeping up the fight for things like job uh, protections and making sure that uh, that the the T community is completely, absolutely uh, protected. There was a time with our discussions with the LDS Church when we got the non-discrimination where they said, look, and the, and the legislators that were negotiating on the other side, look, we just don't understand this whole trans thing. If you'll just take them off, we'll sign off on it right now, and we'll get it done, and then we'll, we'll take the next step next year. Mm-hmm. And our, I was very proud of our LGBT community. They said, we're going across the finish line together, or we're not going at all, so it's a deal-breaker. So, no, 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 it's not even close. That's very different uh, from the days of um, Barney Frank, you know, who, well, as you know, uh, in the discussions regarding ENDA, the Employment Non-Discrimination Act, that, you know, at one point our community felt if we drop the transgender community, then we have a higher chance of passing this bill. Um, So I'm very proud of of this story that you've shared with us today. Well, it's... The other thing for our LGBT community, I love allies, and and we've talked about them, business allies and and progressive allies, but you know what? Run, run. To be the only state senator, the only legislator in Utah, you know, as I go around the state and as I meet youngsters and LGBT kids, they need people to look up to. It's not enough just to have allies. You've got to be in there. You've got to be running. You've got to be out. You've got to share your message. It is incredibly important. A real live gay person standing up has an effect in so many areas that just greatly surpasses that of even the best allies. Please run. All right, right. Right. As we're uh, winding down on time, um, James, I did want to ask you a couple questions. Um, you, you mentioned North Carolina, and I should say that you know, the bill that they had passed is very anti-trans, specifically limits access um, uh, to public accommodations for trans transgender people, but also it doesn't allow for uh, local government or, you you know, to even establish their own anti-discrimination policies um, in Utah. I I don't remember correctly, and you can remind me, but are there any attempts to, to do such a thing, such as limit access to public accommodations for transgender people? Um, well, the, the truth is we have, no, we have no protections now in public accommodations, so anybody can limit anybody anytime they want. We have, uh, we have non-discrimination in housing and employment. I, I, had a, um, I had a bill this year dealing uh, with that, and um, it didn't get out of committee. And they said, Senator, do not bring this bill. If you bring it, then all the bad guys might bring bills. And I said, you know what? I, I cannot back down to that kind of thing. I have to do what's right and whatever follows, but I'm not going to... I'm not going to play that game with we will put all kinds of bad bills if you put a public accommodation bill, which is what's right and what's moral and what's responsible. So um, I brought it forward. It didn't go anywhere, but I, I refuse to be intimidated by the forces that say you negotiate away public accommodation in exchange for us not bringing um, crazy transgendered bills. I think we need to go full speed ahead 
we need to fight every step of the way and, and not back down. Hey, James, thank you so much for joining us here on this program. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm pretty sure you have so many other tactics um, in your bag there that you will use if you need to. And I enjoy that about you. Michelle, love you. Love the show. Thank you for inviting me to be on. Anytime you need, uh, you need the Utah point of view, let me know. You got it, James. Take care. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye. Sneezing. Who knew, who knew that it could be a weapon of some sort? <laughs> well, in this in this case, a a filibuster, a mini filibuster. That's amazing. That was Senator James DeBacchus. I called him DeBacchus. It's DeBacchus, everyone. Um, don't go away. The show continues right after this. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Like us on Facebook and share us with your friends. Find out more at facebook.com slash progressive voices. Hi, my name is Courtney Ziegler, and I'm the founder of TransHack, which is an organization focused on creating technology for the trans community and visibility for trans technologists and entrepreneurs. Tech is like a new industrial revolution. There's so many opportunities for wealth building and wealth creation. It's perfect for the trans community, which experiences strong amounts of unemployment um, and low wages. TransHack um, provides an opportunity for trans individuals to take advantage of the wealth creation that the tech industry provides. Um, it's a space in which people who are in charge of innovation and development, all these awesome things that we are able to use through technology, are paid really well for that. And so I think that trans people should definitely have their hand in, in that space and creating that. And so TransHack provides that opportunity. I got my first computer when I was 15 years old in the 90s, and it changed my world ever since then. And I went on to become an independent filmmaker who had to uh, not only write direct my own films, but also was kind of doing the technical stuff behind it, which is the editing and the capturing, all those things. I've always had this kind of tech-based background. I'm just very curious about a lot of things and just very fascinated about things that I don't know um, and things that can make me a better person. All of that motivates me. I'm just like, what else can I know? What else can I do? What else can I learn? Success to me means a number of things. I think right now in my life personally, it means waking up every day and feeling proud of the work that I'm doing and proud of myself. Just know what you want to get out of any particular industry. Um, it's not an industry that's 100% inclusive in the ways that it should be, in the ways that it's progressing towards. Of all types of people, in, in terms of creating the tech and the industry itself, building its infrastructure. Um, but that's also exciting in the fact that, like, um, people like me have a lot of room to change a lot of things and a lot of precedent to set so um, and that is the, the epitome of success spotlight on success and achievement is brought to you by Wells Fargo together we'll go far and now back to the Michelle meow show Welcome back. 
thank you so much for joining me here today. I am so excited for our next guest because we're going to have some fun and also because I, I love it when we have true artists uh, who join us here on the program. It's, it's like a breath of fresh air from all the serious stuff that we talk about. Uh, but also, you know, we get to showcase uh, talent and we get to showcase people who are just amazing human beings. And so our next guest hails from New Jersey and is a soul and blues singer. And some of you may have caught her at uh, LGBTQ festivals or and or, you know, a concert out there. Uh, but let's welcome Laura Cheadle to the program. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, what I love the most about, um, you know, learning more about you and your band is that you have a family band that's like so hard to come by these days. I know it's pretty exciting and pretty hilarious too, and they're they're really fun at the Gay Pride Fest as well. They're just like the biggest supporters in the world, so the audience always loves it so much. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's let's talk about a little bit about you know your family band before we get into, um. You know what I really wanted to talk to you about is your support of the LGBTQ community, which is so awesome. Um. And you actually have a song that is all about equality, which I love. But um. Yeah. Let's get to know you and your family and the quirkiness of it. How did the band start? Well, I'm so funny. My first tour was when I was four years old. Uh, my dad is actually an amazing musician, and he's toured with so many incredible artists. He was signed to Columbia Records when he was 19. He's been with everyone. So I literally grew up into this family band. So when I was four, we actually went on a tour, and I was singing at four years old. And it was from then that I got totally hooked on the, you know, the crowd and how incredible the energy is. And I have two brothers. They're also musically inclined so it's just I literally was born into it I think I don't know anything else (laughs) how it came so naturally oh that that is great because usually people who are you know incredibly talented singers or artists uh, you know just kind of that's all they remember that's all they know um I wanted to ask like does it ever get uncomfortable or weird I mean especially through your adolescent years no I think I'm the I'm one of the few uh Blacks and lesbians that I know that are my family is so accepting because I started to write my music when I came out actually that's when I was most inspired and um, my parents are just hippies and they are so <laughs> if, you, if you met the, everyone that meets them they're just hysterical and um, I think for me it's not weird because I've just been not just being gay just accepted all around have always been accepted by them and in my music and encouraged so. Although when I do write kind of racy songs, it is kind of funny little stiff on stage we do where my dad covers his ears. Pretty funny. <laughs> um, that's kind of how I feel sometimes. Like, you know, we get guests on the show and they want to talk about sex. And uh, our main producer, Dennis, whom you probably met while we scheduled you, he's kind of like a dad yeah. here. So he'll yeah. be like, I don't want to hear us. But, um, <laughs> let, you know, so touching on that in writing songs um, through your teenage years, I mean, I think uh, somewhere I read that you suffered your first heartbreak at 16 years old. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The first girl I fell in love with, and uh, <laughs> that's when inspired me, because I always sang, it, but I think the real music came out then. Uh, you know, the deep lyrics, the meaningful. It wasn't like just poppy little things anymore. That's when I was most inspired. Because I'm also very driven by love. and mm-hmm. That's just my personality. And I think that's, I mean, it was a huge change for me. And I was one of the first people to ever come out in my high school, which was because I'm from a very small town. And um, I think that whole experience changed me for the better. And 
it came out in my music for sure. Um, can we talk about that breakup? Just because I feel like, <laughs> I mean, it was well, it, yes. as much as you want to. Yeah, she, uh, well, she's straight now and has a baby and everything, which is hysterical. But um, I was more of her experimental phase back then, you know. But there wasn't much choice back then. <laughs> for, uh, now I'm very happy. But, uh, yeah, uh, she was. I wouldn't think she was straight now. That's all I'll say. You know, very strange now. Did, but, did but she? It was hard. <laughs> did she break up with you because of the gay thing, or or is it because she just? Uh, yeah, yeah. She ran off to a boyfriend, but uh, <laughs> that was uh, very heartbreaking. But it, yeah. like I said, a lot of amazing music came out of it. So. Well, I would say that, um, you know, that's one thing that a lot of us have in common. And I would say not just lesbians, but under the whole entire queer umbrella, the, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the coming out phase in which we meet our first ones and it, it, it hardly ever works out because we're both trying to figure stuff out. Um, Mm -hmm. but I heard somewhere in the, uh, you know, the past 20 seconds at least that you said, but you're very happy now. So I'm guessing that's because (laughs) you've got a, a great gal pal now. Yeah, I do, and, uh, you know, I feel like I've dated so much, and in the past 10, 11, 12, actually, I don't even know how long I was in high school, 12 years ago, Um, I think I've dated since ninth grade, so I think, I feel like I've dated so many to to reach where I'm at, so yeah, I have a beautiful girlfriend now, and uh, so far, so good. (laughs) Do you have a song for her, or or many songs about her? Yeah, the new album coming out is called Chill. And um, it's an all LGBT friendly animal, animal <laughs> album, and um, it's, it's you know it's, I think a lot of people don't sing she or some do every song now. Um, I think in the past I always kind of made it ambiguous, like let's say you, and I'm finally singing she, and you know it's a process coming out and feeling comfortable, not feeling judged. But um, there's a song on there called See the World with Me about her. There's a couple songs about her on there, but um that's a really nice song and I can't wait to premiere. Okay. I won't I won't uh you know kill it for everyone since <laughs> we yeah. still want to keep it mysterious. Um yeah. but you know it, it's interesting because I I uh I didn't want to, you know, introduce you as Laura, the lesbian singer who also is in a family <laughs> band because I, I also right. think that, you know, sometimes the whole being out part uh, can overshadow the actual talent. Absolutely. Uh, Do you ever feel that way? Yeah. That that if, if people out there branded you as, you know, Laura the lesbian who's really talented? Well, it's kind of funny. Sometimes I feel like I live a double life. And not and not because I want to. It's because I do a lot of blues. And um, I do more blues, so I do a lot of different genres all in that realm, but blues is a very straight crowd, I would say, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's a lot of older generations, and it's not that I'm, don't, I don't just don't say anything, and it's not that I'm hiding, but I think they would see me as that. It's a lot of older males, and it's funny, because I feel so comfortable when I play the LGBT, but I also feel like I shouldn't have to say anything. Right. You know, I like, I like, but I, on the other hand, I want to, to show, you know, people have such images of lesbians and what they're like, and they all sing Melissa Etheridge, who I love, but I just don't <laughs> sound like her. You know, that's what I feel like a lot of people think. And right. I'm just kind of bringing funk and blues to the spectrum that, you know, some diversity in the LGBT realm. 
you know, that's funny that you bring that up because sometimes I feel like when um, people stereotype lesbians or lesbian music, they think that we want to listen to something like angry or someone screaming or like rock, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, in blues, like you you have to, although it's very deep and it's soulful, uh, in some Mm -hmm. ways you're you're contained to to that emotion that it's a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't don't know if quiet's the right word, but do you you understand what I'm talking about? Like it's like... It's not like you're screaming and you don't have to. Right. Um, you're just kind of right. keeping it there. Exactly. And, you know, I, I just want to, what I like to do with my music is just kind of break that what people think, mold what people think people are because we're all so different, you know. It's not just this one group of things. And I, I've noticed that when I play at the gay festivals, they're like, oh, wow, this is different. This is awesome. You know, I'm not doing crazy dance music, which I also love, but, you know, it's just, Although a lot of my music is extremely funky and people, I get them going out of their minds dancing, but I like bringing something diverse. Mm-hmm. And touching on that, I mean, in your career, since I, I, you've been doing this for so long, um, did it? Did you ever run into a situation in which you felt like it was challenging as an LGBTQI person? Oh my God. I, some of the stories that I could tell you, oh yeah. Um, especially when I was, like 19, 20, like 10 years ago, and uh, I was, would meet with record labels. And, you know, the business is very frightening when, you know, the men trying to sleep with you, just things like that. And when you tell them you're gay, they get turned on. It's like there's so many sick things that can happen in the business. And I'm not saying everything in the business is like that or record companies telling me, oh, we can use that. We can say you're bi. I'm like, well, I'm not bi. Yeah, but it's more marketable if you're bi. You know, things like that that I've come across. And I'm at the point, I'm 30, I just turned 30 years old, and I'm just, I can't take things like that. And I will tell you how it is. And I think that comes with um, having confidence in your music and yourself because this business can beat you up, but if you keep going and you surpass all that, you really start to get an amazing response. Anything that you're, because you're in a family band, they may, may have or must have witnessed um, just kind of the angst if if they if they witnessed you encounter it. Uh, what are your thoughts? Oh, my my dad, he just you know they're very 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 protective of me, mm-hmm. and you know, but I also can hold my ground. I don't <laughs> think crap. You know, I'm just. I grew up with two brothers, and, you know, I'm just the kind of person. I think now that I'm older that I, I'm not really afraid to say what I want to say if I have to. But I've actually, I've had such an amazing fan base now. And I noticed when I didn't conform to what people thought I should do or say, it's such a much better response. And that's what I like to tell other artists. I'm like, don't. Don't create something because you think that'll be marketable. Because mm-hmm. that's not music to me. It's like not from the heart. I can't ever sing other people's songs. I mean, I do some covers sometimes, but I feel like it's I, I just not being not what I want to do. I have to be true to myself, and that's whatever we should all be like. I uh, I I just tried to friend you on Facebook, but I couldn't. You have too many fans. <laughs> you, have, you, have, you have too many friends. But that's okay. I'll just follow you. But um, I was going to say, I'll delete somebody. Don't worry about no, it. I want I wanted to acknowledge the fact that you know there there's a 
just a ton of different identities um, that people can identify by within the LGBTQI community. And, and from, you know, just my perspective, um, I don't want to identify for you, but you do air much more of the femme side. Um, yeah. Th- th- you know, like real femme lesbian stories are so important to hear because a lot of people think that you have it so easy because you're femme and you pass. Um, but mm-hmm. that's not always the case. Just like the story you told of it being very difficult uh, to to be accepted as, as lesbian. Mm. Oh, yeah. And, you know, my girlfriend is also extremely feminine. And the stuff that we get just going out on a daily basis, how we get hollered at. And, you know, we even got kicked out of a bar for holding hands in New York City. Oh, my you gosh. Know, you think some, and this is recent. They said we were making them uncomfortable. And when next to us there was a straight couple doing things I will not stay on the air. You know, that stuff still happens. And it doesn't matter if you're butch from anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... And I think we've come a, far, a long way, but we still have a long way to go. Absolutely. still have this image. And I'm so sick of people saying, but you're so feminine and pretty to be a lesbian. Like, mm. what does that mean? it's very insulting I'm like okay it is it is well I'm so happy that you had the courage (laughs) to just be you and uh, to put out your amazing incredible music Um, we're pushing up against the break so what I want to do is play a song uh, from you of course and uh, then we'll go to break and we'll come back and we'll continue our conversation so you'll stay with us right yep all right. The Michelle Meow can, uh, continues. The Michelle Meow. The Michelle Meow show continues right <laughs> after this, but we're going to play one of Laura's songs right here before you hit the break. I dream that someday we'll all be equal that way. The same seed that blossomed in me each breed. What makes you so different from me? The color of your skin is not a sin. And who she loves is not judged by the one above. It's not okay. It's time. Another kind of war But Peter cried a wolf In the town in an uproar The color of the skin Is not a sin And who she loves Is not judged by the one above It's not okay You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Babe, I think we're ready. 
We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? <laughs> Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.ale. G-R-E-C-A-R-E dot com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me today. Our special guest on the phone with us is soul and blues singer Laura Cheadle. I'm so sorry, Laurel. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I always get, you know, some people always try to, um, I always get corrected when I say Don Cheadle and some people say it's Keedle. And so I always go back and forth with that. I just say he's my uncle to shut everybody up. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I wanted to say. But it's Cheadle, everyone. And uh, I'm I'm super honored to have Laura with us. I mean, just to, uh, just to tell you, I mean, she's opened up for big acts, um, such as Sister Hazel's Spin Doctors, uh, Ryan Cabrera, which, by the way, uh, right before college, I was totally, you know, wanting to be a Ryan Cabrera myself. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, and Nick Jonas, you know, who uh, oh, yeah. obviously has a lot of love for the LGBTQI community. Um, so right before the break, we played one of your songs, and it's called It's Not Okay. I don't know if you want to give us a little bit about that song, uh, but I, I just want to point out that your your voice is like sipping on some of the finest whiskey. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it, it's loud, it tells a story, um, but yeah, it's so smooth. I love it. Thank you so much. That's why I always go for the soul music, because it just fits me perfectly, the soulfulness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So It's Not Okay, that single that we had, or uh, the song that we had just yeah. played. Which album um, does that come from? And if you could give us a little bit of background on the song. Sure. That's actually from my 2014 album called Bruised and Soothed. And um, that uh, I wrote after I had that horrible experience of being kicked out of that bar, and I also have experience, you know, just playing gay pride and seeing the, pr- the protesters. Um, that's what inspired me to finally write a song about it. And it's funny, because that was the first time I was like, you know what, I'm going to do a song about equality. 
I'm not just going to do songs where it's about love and people don't know who I am. So I did that, and I actually got on the cover of a bunch of lesbian gig publications for this, and it's gotten so many views and listens. And I get emails every day thanking me for, you know, just putting a song out there. There's not too many people that do. I know there are some great ones. and But I just wrote that about my experience, and I'm just literally fed up from it. Mm-hmm. And that was what, that was before gay marriage was passed, you know, when I wrote that. And um, I still get a lot of emails. A couple of gay weddings, they played it in their wedding, which was interesting. It's yeah, really a love song, but um, it was very. I'm very honored that um, people were responding to it. And uh, what about marriage? Marriage in terms of now that there is marriage equality, is it something that's um, you know top of mind for you at all? Oh yeah, I've been with my girlfriend <laughs> for three years, so we should uh, we're talking about it, of course. But I said I'm not wearing a white dress. I'm wearing a green dress. Uh, don't you love it? That's uh, the beautiful thing about um, <laughs> non or you know, I don't want to say non-traditional. I mean, we may, we're yeah. making our traditions right now. Right. You know, I just well, I don't really look good in white. I, I prefer green. That's one. That's all I got so far. And I not. And I I'm very. Uh, I would want like a really cool, different hippie ring. Hint, hint. Because she'll be listening to this. <laughs> kind of. Still diamond, but maybe like a hippie ring. I don't even know what that means. But <laughs> um, figure it out. Yeah, seriously. So I I wanted to you know touch base with you on just maybe your plans this Pride season, um, kind of where we might uh, be able to catch you or you know some of the new work. I know you mentioned a new album uh, when that's dropping and all that good information. Yeah, I will be, my new album, Chill, is an LGBT album. It's coming out uh, in June, not a specific date yet, but it's June. And in June 26th, I'm performing at New York City Pride, which I'm so excited about for 300,000 people at least. So that's really exciting. I'm not sure which uh, big celebrity acts they have yet, but I know they always have incredible ones. They had Lady Gaga in the past, things like that. So I'm just so excited. My family bands on that. I'm also at uh, Jersey City Pride, which is a really cool event as well, right outside of New York. And I'm looking to book some more for the festival season. So uh, anyone listening, I'm all about that. And um, you'll, the new album will be available on my website, lauracheadle.com, and uh, digitally everywhere. But I also have a ton of albums available now. Like, it's not okay that are out. You can search Laura Cheadle. Oh, darn. I was going to say San Francisco Pride, but uh, I, I think you're already performing the same weekend we have our Pride. Um, darn it. Yeah, so we'll have to catch you early next year or a future year. Yeah. Or or who knows? Maybe, you know, there are some other festivals that we could, I mean, you know, San Francisco has tons of other festivals. I will happily come out. I love San Francisco so much. Yeah? What do you love about San Francisco? Um, well... I almost followed a girl there a couple of years ago, but I kind of did follow her there for a little bit. I got to to enjoy it. Um, but from the blues scene, I loved um, this venue called Fisted and Blues, which I performed at. Um, really cool place. I just like the openness, the hippiness. You know, everyone walks around in the parks, and I love the weather because it's freaking cold here in the winter. Um, but I love California in general, so I would love to come perform there at any time. I love that um, you know, uh, you know, certain cities or places will always open up like different stories with artists. Uh, <laughs> you know, and so yeah, you, so you followed a girl here, kind of, sort of, pretty much, and uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> so what, what, what? You know, was that years ago? That was yeah, four years ago. Um, she lived here in uh, Jersey. 
and uh, moved to California, San Francisco. So we went across the country, and um, it was just crazy. It wasn't anything <laughs> special, but I fell in love with San Francisco. But I, I met someone much better to initial listening. But <laughs> it, led, <laughs> it led me to San Francisco and, you know, getting into the blues scene there. And I, surprisingly, I didn't know there was so much blues and soul in San Francisco. It's really, really awesome there. Um, I'll try not to get you into too much trouble, but at the same time, it's fun <laughs> to hear Laura Cheadle, like, you know, secret stories here on the Michelle Miao show. Why not? Um, so, you know, the thing is, you also, you know, you, you sing these incredible, soulful, bluesy songs with what I had just described, like drinking some of the finest whiskey, and then you're playing this guitar. I mean... I, sorry to, to say, I think that your partner's extremely lucky, but I'm sure of it that women are just, you know, unable to uh, 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 at least call your name while you perform oh, in front yeah. of them. <laughs> they love it, especially when I jump on the drums, too. They love that, too. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's how I think I got this one. She yeah. Was, was <laughs> you never told us. So how did you guys meet? And, uh, you know, you've been together for a while. Can we talk about the falling in love part? Uh, Match.com. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah. met on Match.com. She didn't know yeah. you're Laura Cheadle. Uh, and uh, did did you well, guys? I sent her my links and stuff, of course, before we met. She liked it. And, um... Yeah, we. She's all. She's a fashion designer, so we. We. I like the creativeness, and um, she started coming to shows, and yeah, it just kind of happened, and uh, worked pretty good. I'm so, get some good points. People, you know, I, I I feel like when they start dating, the first time they start dating, they always like play music with the you know to making love. Did you guys play like your music while making love for the first time? Or <laughs> I always tell her that's creepy. I'm not listening to myself. She would like that though. No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. I feel like I don't yeah. know. Yeah, my, my... I have a lot of love songs. That would my new song called Reverberate, which I'm uh, releasing on this new album, is definitely a making love song. And she loves it a little too much, that song. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much, Laura, for spending some time with us. We're going to end your segment by playing another one of your songs. And it is called I Was Made to Love Her, which uh, sounds beautiful, by the way. And and for everyone, you know, please take a uh, listen to Laura Cheadle, um, her songs at lauracheadle.com. Uh, Laura, thanks again for being with us. Thanks so much for having me. And I will add you to Facebook. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Michelle Miao Show. And here is Laura Cheadle's song. Enjoy the rest of your day. Papa disappeared.